Okay, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the One Before I Die podcast, episode 164. We got going here. It's a sad day. It's a bad day. It's uh, Monday, January 23rd, 2023, as we are recording this. The 24th, as you guys are listening to this, the Buffalo Bills have officially been eliminated from the playoffs. The Buffalo Bills season is is over. It's ended. Um, obviously, not the... Uh, you know, not the the podcast we want to be to be having right now this week, but um, what's done is done. You know, pretty obvious what we'll be talking about today. Bill season uh, comes to an end, and we'll be talking about the game. Obviously, the disappointing, very disappointing game that happened on Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I guess talk about maybe the season as a whole and just kind of uh, you know, how everything went down and uh, thoughts going into next year. But um, obviously, a lot of work to be done there. Um. On the opposite side of things, I think the Sabres have kind of found their groove once again, so we'll probably end out the episode talking about the Sabres a little bit. I know this one will probably be more focused on the Bills, as it should be, um, but you know you can't discredit the Buffalo Sabres as well. We are a you know two Buffalo sports podcasts here. We don't just focus on the Bills, so we are absolutely going to talk about the Sabres, and that team has got me fired up, so I actually can't wait to get into that little conversation towards the end of the episode, but we will start out with the Bills as we always do. Um, before we do get into that, we'll introduce Ethan, though, first and foremost, like we always do. So, Ethan, um, how you doing on this uh, on this brutal, you know, another one of these, uh, you know, season endings? You know, just just I don't even I don't have any words right now. I'll just throw it over to you to see how you're doing. I think the only thing I can say right now is that at least I don't feel as bad as how the season ended last year. Like the episode that ended on the 13 seconds, the episode after that one, I felt worse. I don't know if it's by much. I thought, you know, an instant reaction after the game on Sunday was like, you knew the game was over at the beginning of the fourth quarter. So it was kind of like a slow and painful death where you weren't really at the edge of your seat. You know, the tension was kind of not even close to there. You kind of knew it was going down. So I was like, I already accepted my fate at that point. And I was like, all right, well, at least you didn't get your heart ripped out like you did last year. But, I mean, today I woke up and it's like, you know, I, I felt worse than I did like immediately after the game yesterday almost. So it was a struggle this morning as, you know, I, no loss is going to be easy, especially after the season that we had and the expectations that we had. But, man, what a what a disappointing day, disappointing season. It's It's like, are we back to the kind of the same old Bills nonsense that we've been used to for – our entire lifetimes here is like what what where does this team go from here is i think the the hardest pill to swallow at this point like guys i'm looking for answers and i'm having trouble finding them right now is my biggest problem yeah so i mean like you said it, it was a completely different feeling than last year right it was it, i mean like you said it's never easy but a hundred percent easier on sunday this year knowing the game was over in the third quarter you said beginning of the fourth quarter i think this game was over i mean you could it was, argue it, it say was, it was over, over the when first Gabe davis dropped the ball yeah, um, Down but we all, you know, we all saw the way the game was going, blah blah blah. It was it was over in the third quarter, so at that point, you're sitting there, kind of like, all right, now the the healing process starts before the game's even over. As opposed, to obviously, last year, you think you win the game, you think you're moving on to the AFC Championship, and you get your heart ripped out. So in that sense, it was a lot easier. Um, but I think I think the main storylines that come out of this game, it's not about, um, like like last year was like, right, it was so we had a groove going and we've talked about this over the past, you know, seven weeks where 
you know, you've kind of saw the writing on the wall and I tried to keep the, the, the positive vibes going, but it, it was so much different last year where we, we get our hearts ripped out where we, we had a legitimate shot to make that run. Now the conversations immediately turn to, you know, this is the third year in a row where we're bound from the playoffs. Um, this time in a, in a horrific fashion where the, the team wasn't ready to play. The coaching was just God awful. The, the play calling still wasn't good. It, it's it's been building up to that the whole year. And, um, the, the, the defensive side of the ball. So it, the conversations have moved a lot, just more negative in like, you know, rightfully so. Um, and basically focusing on like, how do we change this and how do we get back to a team that can contend for a Super Bowl Like we should be, um, with this quarterback that we have. Uh, and it was just a, it was just a pathetic performance, dude. I mean, after the game, I mean, I, I sent you that tweet yesterday and then even after the game in Matt Milano's interview, basically players admitting that throughout the week, they're like low energy, not ready to play in the biggest game of your careers. Pretty much. Well, they they're tired. They're out of gas. They're out of gas. And, and, I, and I've seen takes out there of a lot of people chalking it up to the emotional season that they've had with everything that's gone down on the team. Um, but nonetheless, either way, whatever the case may be to, for players to kind of just be admitting they're like tired and like not ready to go and, and no energy. Um, it, it's tough to hear and see. And, and then you have the other side of the coin where Diggs is, you know, freaking out and, and, and which I honestly respect. He's a great leader in that category. And and he's, you know, tweeting today, he's saying, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to apologize for being mad about losing, which is absolutely right. Like it, it just, it was just a, a collapse. Um, Leslie Frazier and and we'll probably let's just get into this right now. I mean, Leslie Frazier, Ken Dorsey, and I'm not I'm not ready to say McDermott yet, but this coaching staff is on the hot seat, man. And those two coordinators, I think, need a, a real look in the mirror. The puzzling part about this whole thing, too, which is just hilarious, is that you know, national analysts and, and people of you know that are on TV watching football and doing breakdowns all you know all year, it's their full-time job the game and, and throughout the playoffs they're like Leslie Frazier should be a head coach in this league like I don't know how this guy's getting interviews and blah 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 and then he goes out there and puts up maybe the worst game plan of all time against a team where it looked like they were probably going to do that on the Monday night game when we played if, if the tragedy didn't happen yeah. so so like his scheme was so bad and and, and I and I do want to start with the defense and Frazier because year in year out these three seasons and and I know I've, I've hyped up the defense at times during this season, and but I, yeah, I'm I know a, I'm gonna let you cook right here because this is like you're basically saying everything I've been saying over the last seven weeks. Well, listen, I've been I've hyped up the defense at times. I, I've said they they've helped to steal games from uh, uh for us this year, which they have. But I've also known for a fact that over the past few years, when I you know when this defense is always statistically, and this also goes back to how we we're not staff guys and whatever statistically right they're all the top five defense they blah 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 when it comes down to it they they can't make the plays against good offenses and 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 their defensive scheme doesn't change Frazier is so conservative and three years in a row the blunders have happened where it's like I don't care what your stats are in the regular season in terms of defensive efficiency or or all these advanced analytics analytics that people like to throw out I know we had some injuries, but regardless of that, you still have a lot of guys that are invested in money on this defense, you know, all pros on this defense, and you're getting picked apart left and right. And and while I think that a lot of it had to do with lack of energy and not great play from a lot of our guys, you have to put a lot of this on the on the coaching staff and the defensive scheme. And I don't think McDermott's, you know, 
free from that either for him, especially being a, like a defensive minded coach. Like it's not all Frazier. It's both of these guys, but it was just an embarrassing way to like, see no adjustments. Like I never, you played football more than I did. I didn't play the varsity level, but just watching it from a casual fans perspective and someone that's watched the bills for so many years now and knows the game of football, a decent amount. I know that there should have been different things that were going on in this game that it's like anyone can pick out from a naked eye. Um, the, the big one obviously turns out where the, the third down play where we're clearly blitzing the house and Trey White and all of our cornerbacks are playing 10 yards off the ball. They easy pitch and catch Jamar Chase, like little things like that, where he is so conservative and it makes no sense. Um, it, it's, it's, I think, I think his time has run its course with the bills. He did some good things. You, you got to give him credit with what he did at, at times, but when it came down to crunch time three years in a row, he, it, the defense has failed us among other things, but that, that was, that was a big part of it. So I'll let you hop in there, but it's like, I, I don't want to keep hearing about this guy should keep maybe his job or whatever the fact is because of our, our, the, the, the way we finished in defensive categories like that, that doesn't matter when it comes down to the way it has in crunch time the last three years, Th those stats don't matter. There's been holes. We've seen it all the time. Like just because you get like some garbage time sacks or whatever against the Steelers in the fourth quarter that make you look way better than you are. Like it doesn't matter until you come to the playoffs and, and you got to perform. And they just haven't done that under this regime. 100%. I agree with everything you said. I think literally if you summarize the last seven weeks of this podcast, <clears throat> the bills were winning games. Right, they were riding a win streak into the into today, but every every week I was saying these exact same things. It's like, yeah, we won, but you know the defense looked terrible, and this happened and that happened, and like I'm not confident going in. And you you would always stand up and be like, yeah, but we got Josh Allen, which is that's that's literally how this season was. Right, it was completely different than than last year. So much where of this team fell on him. So much there was you felt like last year it was a more complete team effort week in and week out where yeah, the defense wasn't, it, it was the same similar story where the defense wasn't great, where they had these, like you were talking about these insane stats, but if you watch the game, it didn't look like they were that dominant, but from an offensive perspective, it was a completely different story and it, it, the, the momentum and like how they handle themselves come game day, the mental mistakes, the preparedness it was it was night and day like this year it was like we got Josh Allen and nobody can stop him so let's go win a football game it, it just seemed like there was no strategy no like like I like I can I continually say and I we're talking about the defense right now and the defense does definitely deserves a hundred percent of the criticism it's getting I mean the Bengals could do anything out there. The one thing I want to say about the defense and Leslie Flazier definitely deserves all the heat, what you highlighted out there, like from the naked eye, things were clearly not working and it seemed like we weren't changing anything. The one thing I want to say though, is the storyline going in this game was that the Bengals were playing with two offensive starters on the line. Yes. Three yes. backups. Completely manhandled who us. The, who the defensive coordinator is, the defensive line looked absolutely terrible. Yeah, we have how many first round and second round picks over the last three or four drafts that were on that defensive line? I don't care about Von Miller, even and even if Von Miller plays yesterday, I'm not even convinced that means that makes that much of a difference. Um, no, probably not. They they weren't even close to sacking Joe Burrow. Burrow got sacked one time, and it was by Matt. It was Milano like a scramble. A scramble. It, he was consistently standing back there 
with a four-man rush. We'd blitz and we wouldn't even come close. It was just a lack of toughness up front, both stopping the run and the pass. It was complete domination on the line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball. Growing up playing football, that's the number one thing that they teach you is if you win the line of scrimmage, you're going to win the game. And that's that's like I'm going to put my mic down. I mean, that's what happened yesterday. We just got bullied up front on both sides of the football, and they had their way with us. They were in Josh's grill, disrupting him, forcing him to you know scramble, get break out of tackles, throw on the run, get knocked down after throwing the ball, hitting his arm, batting balls down, and we weren't even sniffing Joe Burrow. And then even when they ran the ball, they were ripping off six, seven yards of carry with mixing up the middle on the end sweeps off tackle. It didn't matter. They were doing whatever they wanted. And it seemed like we had zero chance of stopping them unless they were going to throw a pick or somehow fumble the football. So hundred percent defense. It was bad from the coaching, from the effort all around. It was probably the worst defensive performance of the year. And I, that I'm in the biggest game of the year in the biggest game of the year. And they did. I mean, Matt Milano was right. I mean, they looked tired. They looked like they had no energy. It looked like they played on a Thursday and like they're coming off a short week and they had no time to prepare for this game. It was like, what is going on? This is not the team that we're accustomed to seeing over the last three years. The one thing I want to say though, offensively, if you put up 10 points in a playoff game, I don't care how good your defense is when you have that offense. And this is what I've been harping on for the past seven weeks is I'm still waiting for the offense to click. I'm still waiting for that offense to click and get to that next level, right? Where that was waiting for that moment, that second half of the Bucks game moment last year, where the offense snapped out of that slump that they were in after losing to the Jags and kind of just puttering around, barely winning football games against teams that they should have blown out. And we always talk about a win is a win and a win in football, and that's right. But the it's if you want to be that championship level, you got to be able to turn it on at the end of the season and get into a groove and get some momentum going to the playoffs. I'm, I'm, I'm almost more convinced of it now than ever. We had that discussion last year or at the end of this year about the one seed versus like getting momentum. I, I don't care where this game is played Mars, Kansas city, you know, Jupiter, it doesn't matter. You have to have offensive consistency, offensive flow, offensive rhythm, and confidence. This team lacked confidence th- throughout the second half of the season. It seemed like as soon as Von Miller went down, it, I they, they love to throw the stat out, right? How the the pressure rate dropped from you know fourth in the league to twenty seventh in the league. And yeah, Von Miller has a heck of a lot to do with that. He's awesome, but Von Miller's not on. Like if you look at his stat percentage, he's not on the field one hundred percent of the time. Other guys are in there. Other the, the, there's other people making plays on defense in the first half of the season that were absolutely just ghosts in the second half, and I just it just felt like the team lost all mojo after we just barely scraped by in the Lions game, and then after that it was like we were just like kick, kicking ourselves in the foot. It was just it was not the same football team, and so yeah, it was in the second half of this year it was the Josh Allen show trying to have him will us to, to football games, and yeah, our, our team's gonna be tired like that. Josh is gonna be yeah. tired. You can't yeah. win. You can't win football games like that. And the offense deserves just as much as the blame. And I'm almost convinced now. Like I'm, I'm going to keep saying this again. Like Ken Dorsey, the offense doesn't adjust either. Like we're doing the same things that I've been talking about all year. As far as the play calling, we have the the short passing games non-existent. The the tempo's non-existent. It's like we keep we're calling run plays that make no sense. It's like he has zero feel for the game and he's hitting the ask Madden button calling plays and saying, Josh, go 
Joe, go get us a first down. Josh, go find the open receiver here. Hopefully this one works. Like it's it's there's yeah. there's no rhyme or rhythm and it's all on 17. That's 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 where we're at right now. Yeah, and before we even dive deeper into the offense, I just wanted to round out the the defensive side of the ball just more on more so on the coaching aspect where at at, at some time, so what what was this? Frazier's f- fourth year as a defensive coordinator? Did he come in with McDermott? I don't even remember. Fourth, third, fourth year. Uh, at I least he, he came in with McDermott, right? Yeah, so at least he's I mean, he regardless, he's been here for the last three years, at least where we've lost in the playoffs the three years in a row. Sometimes like 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 things just run run their course, and I, I I seriously think that's just kind of what it is right now. Like I said, he's had good moments with this team. Obviously, he he wasn't able to get the team ready in the playoffs for three straight years. But sometimes it happens in every sport where a coach is there for a while. That you, you have success with this coach, but you can't really get over the hump. Like again, I'm not there with McDermott yet because I th- I still think like he has he has this locker room. Like he hasn't lost the locker room or anything like that from a head coaching perspective. But I really think that like on the defensive side of the ball after, you know, three years in a row where the first year it's like, okay, like we got there, we made a good push. Second year. It's like, all right, we got a little bit closer. We still couldn't get there after the third year where the defense lets you down the way they did. And not, and we'll get to the offense too, where, you know, they deserve as much blame, like you just said, but three years in a row where four years in a row. Yeah. But I'm talking about these playoff runs where you, you have a, you know, I'm doing quotes here, a, a, a top five defense. And then the in the in the playoffs, your team lets you down. It's it just maybe Frazier will be a good defensive coordinator somewhere else. Maybe he goes in to, to somewhere else with the new guys and new blood and whatever. And it, and it works out for him. I think it's just stale at this point. And I think you just have to move on based on what's happened in crunch time. So, like, that's where I stand on Leslie Frazier. I just want to kind of get closure on that point of it. Like, probably a great guy. I know a lot of guys love him. He's well-respected around the league, but I I just think it ran its course in Buffalo and you need to get some new blood, some new basically game planning, some new style of defense for the guys that we have out there. Because I know that I know we have talented guys on the defense. That's the thing is like the defense should not have been this bad this year. It, it just shouldn't have, even with the injuries. Um, it, it's just, I, I, it's stale. And I think it's time to, 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 to move on honestly, from that side of the ball. Um, do you do you agree with that? Do you think you you fire Frazier before we move on here? I just wanted to kind of get that closure on on the defense before we move on. I I would be fine with them firing firing Frazier. The the bigger problem I have, and this is where I want to separate the defense from the offense, is I think it's it's a bigger issue on the defense personnel wise than than scheme wise. Like his scheme, everything yesterday was brutal. His scheme just pisses me off. Like it, like I, even, I, even I throughout agree. just watching when they're when, even when they play well, man. Sometimes it's like. It's like do something like they're just so passive and it's like it's just it's just it's just done at this point. It's just not like teams have figured out what he does for the Bills on this defense at, at this point now. It just doesn't work. I agree, but I just think there's a lack of talent on that side of the ball. Like right. Like every I mean they definitely every, like you said that D line 100%. 100%. No, and I'm with you there. There's a lot of I mean offensive side there's a lot of gaps on this team that need to be addressed immediately other than just coaching. Um but but they still do have I just think talented I just think, players on the defense. I think offensively it's a way bigger coaching issue than on defense. And I I agree with what all you said about Frazier like his scheme pissing you off. Like I'm done with it too. Like I just think it's time for a change because it just hasn't worked. Like you were saying, like things have run its course. It's run its course. I mean, over the last four, uh, four seasons, right? The the playoff exits they had, they blew a uh, two score second half lead against the Texans. They got blown up by Kansas City the next year. They had the thirteen second kickoff debacle, and then yesterday they just got the doors blown off them. So like the defense just 
didn't show up in all four of those games, right? My biggest thing, though, is the secondary is an absolute mess right now with Trey White looks like he's aged five years. I do want to give him the benefit of the doubt, though. If he comes back next year, the way he looks, then I'm in trouble. But I want to give him a full offseason to recover from this ACL. I'm not ready to give up on Trey White yet. I mean, I guess, I mean, you don't have a, you don't have a, option right now you gotta you gotta bank on him coming back better yes you do and i'm fine with that i guess is what i'm saying and then you don't know what's going on with jordan poyer free agent he played awful yesterday obviously playing hurt we'll see what happens with him if he ever if he comes back hide he's up there in age two we'll see what happens with him it's just and then the other cornerback spot was been a rotating cast of characters like there's no position in that secondary right now where i'm 100 confident in the player that's going to get out there next year and then on the D line, fair. outside of Von Miller, who's going to be a year older, coming on off an ACL, right? Like, is he? He's probably not going to be ready for for Week One next year. No. Um, who who are you confident in after that performance? It's 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 absolutely insane. How yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, is I I mean, I am still confident. I, I agree. This thing, I'm still confident in Milano. I don't think he played well on Sunday. Like, the thing is, no one played well on Sunday, so it's like hard to like. Outside of just Matt off Milano that game, like, but like Edmonds, Milano, I am Edmonds confident in Hyde still. Like, I, I definitely he, am confident in Hyde still. Okay, that's fine. But those, yeah, those no, I agree with you. There's a lot of gaps. No, I agree. I'm, I 100% agree. There's a ton of gaps to fill. I'm, I'm just pointing out there's two, three guys that I'm like, listen, I still believe in these guys. Like we had a terrible game, and I, and I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm putting more on, on the coaching. There's a ton of gaps to fill. I completely agree with you. There, there's been a ton of question marks this year that need to be filled up and and, and figured out. Um, but I, I just think that just our, our conversation right here is basically just adding to like kind of like what a huge mess this kind of is right now that needs to be there's right. It's the coaching, it's the players. It's, there's a lot going on here that needs to be fixed and figured out. And that's just kind of the state of why this team got blown out 27 to 10 in a playoff game at home. Like that's, I guess, why we're, you know, we're even having this conversation is because there is so much to talk about in terms of what needs to be fixed. So it's not, nothing's good right now with it. It's, it was a terrible way to end of the year and, it, it sure doesn't. It, it's sure not good for to leave a, uh, the bad taste in your mouth, right? Because it's like that. This is the game we will remember until next year, like rightfully so. Everything is. What have you done for me lately in sports? So it's like when you think back to this defense and and the specific players on the defense, you're gonna think back to this game where literally everybody didn't play well. So it, it sucks, and things need to change in order for this team to get over the hump in the playoffs. Um, but I want to I want to move to the offense because I think yeah. it's, I think it's completely on the coaching on the coaching side of the ball in this offense like this offense is not that much different than last I, year i you think it's argue... i think it's a i think see i think it's both on i think it's the same thing with the defense where we both agreed it was personnel and coach i think the, the offense is the same way i think the coaching needs a complete i i agree with you on that front i think this ta- the, the roster on offense is the, the offensive line man is sus at well that's suspect what... at best i mean Diggs is probably the only reliable target right we like we've been saying like I think it is as much of a mix on the offensive side as it is on the defensive side as well. I I, I really do. I I agree, but like I just want to, this this thread from Florio is is spot on, right? He said the big addition to the offense this 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 past year was a pass catching running back. Everybody was big on that, right? Remember when we almost signed who was it McKissick from yep. Washington, and everybody was hype about that. He said, you know, that was the big addition, only to never throw to the ball to the running backs. The O-line got ignored. And, and same real quick, just to hop in with that, too, is we tried to get a pass catching running back. It didn't work out, so we draft James Cook. And then we still trade for Naeem Hines, who got like 13 total touches on offense since he came over, who was supposed right. to be another pass catching running back. 
which is which can only that's Dorsey, right? Like I don't I don't understand. Yeah, that. that's the, coaching. Oh, that that's complete coaching. Get him in the game. The, the O line got ignored despite clear issues, and that was a frustrating prior. It was like there was no real plan. The game plan didn't fit the personnel at all. The Bills receiver room had two receivers who could win outside or downfield and a bunch of slot guys, and then operated an offense built around the deep ball. There was no quick pass aspect to the offense all year. The slot wide receiver role vanished. Allen was expected to scramble to avoid pressure and find someone deep, which is even harder when your best deep threat had questionable hands and routine drops on well-placed balls like yesterday. So it's just like that's spot on, right? I mean, it's it, Dorsey just had no feel from the offense all season. He, like like he was saying, didn't come in with a clear game plan. Everything that worked with with Dable was thrown out the window. Like our short pass game was the best in the league. It seemed like last year, like whenever we needed offense and nothing was working, it was Beasley over the slot. Like that was our jump start to the offense that would open everything up. And there, there was yeah. none of that this year. Allen, Allen had to play hero ball. It, that that was the offense this year was Allen. And, and, and honestly, we'll, we'll, I wanted to get into this. We won't go completely into it right now. Maybe we will. I don't know. But honestly, I've, there's two things to it is I've been seeing a lot of takes on Twitter from not Bills fans and maybe just like analysts and, and, and talking about Allen in a specific way, which I don't agree with. Cause I, I, I still like he, he, like this almost proved what, what you're talking about with the scheme and endorsing everything. I think this proved even more how valuable of a player he is. The fact that he was able to will a team to a, a three loss regular season with the scheme that you're talking about, basically putting everything on his shoulders, making him have to make plays every single time. Um, I saw a tweet actually, and I don't, I don't know how true this is. I really don't. But the clip of Diggs kind of like yelling at Allen on the sideline, right? Like that one that went viral, kind of um, after he that fourth down play where yeah. they missed in the end zone, and and Diggs is kind of yelling at Allen on the sideline. Apparently on the on the sideline, he was yelling like "Don't listen to him," referring to Dorsey because. <laughs> which I'm not sure how true that is, but apparently a lot of people are hearing Diggs yell, don't listen to him, don't listen to him. So it's like everything falls on Allen trying to make insane plays. Um, even even in the game on Sunday where the offense was terrible and they only scored 10 points, there was a, probably five-plus plays where Allen is getting under pressure within a second of the ball is snapped, and he somehow got away and made positive yards on the play. Um, so it, it came down to the offense basically saying, all right, we have this super freak athlete at quarterback Let's just basically see what he can do. Put in the ball in his hands, and and uh, and whatever happens, happens. That that's what it was. That's what this offense was this year. And at times, I got sucked into that uh, feeling of, well, he is still Superman. So as long as we have him, we have a shot. Listen, when it gets down to the playoffs and the divisional round and further, it's not going to work like that. It can only take you so far, and and that's what happened. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. And. I know we're going to get into the Sabres here because I kind of want to make like my last thought is I kind of want to make an analogy here. This is what I was like thinking about today. I think the Bills like are becoming the Edmonton Oilers of like the NFL where they have a superstar athlete or 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 like you said in that I think you texted us maybe the new Philip Rivers and Chargers potentially. Yeah, but Philip, if that's our comparison, man, like that's that's not good because Philip Rivers had, he just like never got over the hump, right? That but was he thing. had he had weapons on his team, right? Like that was on Rivers, in my opinion. Uh, okay, then like he, that's not what I'm saying. Then I, I just meant no. in, in terms of the team getting over a hump. No, yeah, I think we're like the Edmonton Oilers. We got arguably the best player in the NFL, in the NFL, in Josh Allen. The Oilers have McDavid, and they just you you fail to surround them with guys that can complement them and and 
and win, get over that hump, right? It's D- like Diggs is dry sidle. Yeah, Diggs Diggs is his <laughs> number two, but then like outside of that on offense, who else do you got? You got nobody to protect him. You got nobody on defense to protect the, you know, to protect the house. It's it's just, it's getting frustrating, man. And there's just the 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 thing that scares me is what we talked about, right? Like, I find it hard to believe that we're going to make all these changes this offseason. Like, that is a lot of change to happen if you only lose four games all season. So I feel like that's not all going to happen. My biggest fear is we don't do enough in the offseason, and then we run this thing back. And the thing is, teams are getting better. The Dolphins are going to be a problem next year. The Chargers are going to be a problem next year. The, the Ravens is just healthy. loaded. We knew it coming Lamar's in. Lamar's going to be a loaded. problem. The Browns might be a problem if Watson ever gets back to what he was. Like, there's teams are going to be getting better, and we need to reload and figure it out fast. And so I, I just think that, like Brandon Bean, in my opinion, he's got he's got to be feeling a little heat at this point because he did everything right to turn this franchise around, but he hasn't done anything since he kickstarted it by drafting Josh Allen, right? Like he's whiffed on three consecutive draft classes. No. Yeah. He, he, he's feeling the pressure. I I do trust him to this. This is like a big year where like, I still, he still has my trust right now. And I, I have faith that they at least do something to give us hope going into the next year. But after that, man, it's, it's, it's do or die. It's, it's this season. And it's crazy to think about that. I'm, like more nervous slash like confused on where not confused, but like I, I I'm not confident in like where the bills off season. Go. Like I was, I was like, what's going to happen with the Sabres this off season. I'm more confident that having the Sabres having like a solid off season than the bills at this point, which is absolutely insane. Yeah. I think we got to transition over at this point. Yeah. Yeah. The, like the, beating a dead horse. Yeah. Let's transition over. The last thing I will say though, and I, I just alluded to it real, real quick is just, I do want to make it abundantly clear to anyone listening out there that and to anyone out there that was kind of like putting because there was a lot of shade thrown at Josh Allen and basically saying like he like people are putting him in like a, like a top 10 quarterback in this league instead of like top like he is still a very, very good player. And he, he's like, three. He's he's the franchise quarterback. Like, get don't get it twisted. Like, he is the guy. No, he's like, the guy. But you can't say he's better than Burrow or Mahomes right now. That's, that's fine. That's a fact. That's fine. I, I don't care. He's still a top three quarterback in this league, in my opinion. And 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 he's and he is that guy still. Like, if you if you think otherwise, I think you have a pea brain. But anyway, let us let's transition over to the Sabers here. Uh, a little bit more positive note because they have been buzzing lately. Uh, what two game winning streak back on the winning streak? I think. Um, and this game, and, and I specifically want to talk about this game on Saturday because that game got me absolutely going. Like watching that game against the Anaheim Ducks after coming off a huge win on on Ryan Miller jersey retirement night obviously like huge, big emotional night like great ceremony the boys end up winning that game in overtime which we obviously will talk about as well with a sick pass from Dalene to Cousins but that game on Saturday like really showed me the future of this team and how good that they can actually be i think the future is extremely bright in buffalo i texted you and dad this um during the game but the difference between this sabers team and and Sabres teams have passed where we were, you know, young with Eichel, where we'd be like, oh, no, this team's young still. Uh, they'll figure it out in a couple of years. Those teams, yeah, they had young players, and it's hard to get mad at players not producing when they're fresh out of college, 19, 20, 20 21 years old. Um, and we're like, all right, well, you know, give them time to develop. The difference between those young teams and this young team is 
we have the guys that are that young at this point right now. They're 21, 22, 19, 20 years old, but they are making significant impacts already, right? Dylan Cousins is, I think, 21 years old. He, he's on pace for 25-plus goals, 70, 80-plus points this year. Uh, Krebs has come on. I know his stats aren't really there, but he's come on. He's 21 years old. Darlene is crazy that he's still only 22 years old. Jack Quinn, JJ Paterka, obviously haven't been there statistically wise, but you can tell that those guys are actually buzzing and making impacts night in, night out. Owen Power can tell that he's going to be a perennial all-star in this league. That's the difference between this team and other younger teams of the past is that these guys that are young in the core that are making up now, they're actually winning hockey games and they're putting up points and they're making, you know, legitimate impacts on games in a positive manner. So it's, they're only going to grow together. They're only going to get better together. And then of course you have older guys like Tuck Skinner Thompson who have been playing very well. And the last point I'll make on this game and why it got me so fired up was because everybody was playing unbelievable except for Tage Thompson. And what does Donnie meatballs do instead of just keep rolling out there with the first line, he benches him, puts him on the fourth line with Gergens and Oposo. Krebs goes out there and scores a goal right away with uh, Skinner and Tuck on his line. Donnie Meatballs doesn't care who you are. He's going to put you on the bench if, you, if you're not playing well. He has a pulse on this team, um, and that's why it's got me really excited. These young players are making legitimate impacts on the team right now. So three years down the line, I mean, you go from a – just from a personal you know, personal standpoint from anyone listening and, and even us right now, think back to what you were like when you were 21 years old and and then think to what you were when you were like 27 years old six years later. A complete different physical body of a human being – and guys that are 20 years old are playing very, very good hockey in the NHL right now. They're only going to get better. So that is why this team has me fired up. Um, and maybe I'm back on my high horse here after this little like law losing streak they had. And now they're back kind of in the winning column. And I'm maybe getting ahead of myself once again. But I don't know how this team doesn't get you super excited for the future. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on everything there. Um, everybody's just kind of like, Finding their roles, I feel like, is a, is a big thing with this team right now. And going into the season, that was my biggest concern was that do we have too many players that are kind of the same player at the same age, right? Like we had, we kind of knew what Thompson was at this point. You kind of know what um, Darlene was and Samuelson. But some of these other guys like like Krebs and... Oh, like Samuelson's you, another guy I forgot about. He's only like 21 years old too. Yeah, and he's already locked up. The other thing, like I was talking about Krebs, uh, you know, Paterka, Quint, like those guys that you're rattling off there, it seems like they're kind of like finding their home a little bit. Cousins is taking off as a true number two center, solidifying him as kind of a guy that can play a 200-foot game defensively, kill penalties, play power play, score, you know, win face-offs. He kind of does it all for you. And then you have all this speed as well is just, it's, it's like so fun and it, and the similar story, but like kind of different is they're, they're only, I feel like a few players away on offense and, and defense, you know, it's like the bottom six needs to get a little tougher in my opinion, get a little bit more grit to it and maybe a little bit more experience. And then on the back end, the kind of the similar story, but like from a skill perspective, and speed perspective, I think it's all there at this point. And you you, fi- you figure you figure UPL can kind of finish the season out strong. Make yeah, he's starting to, to come give, into his own. Make a case to you know give him the number one going into next year. I think you can start actually having some playoff expectations. I mean, we're in a playoff race right now. Like, let's not downplay that. The Sabers are still very much alive. 
for oh, a yeah. playoff spot going Kings against in hand. aging teams. This is what I was talking about going into the year, right? Where we're on this upslope and you got these teams like the Penguins and the Islanders and uh, who I don't know who else they're going up against. Florida, I think. Like, those are teams that are kind of, like, peaked already and they we already know what they are. The Sabres are, are only going to get better. Yeah. So, like, we'll see who has, like, the energy at the end. Like, the, I think... <laughs> We've talked about are the Sabres gonna make the playoffs this year? Like, I think it's close. It's gonna be closer than people think. I feel like yeah, it's very 50-50 again. And and I know it's been an up and down season in a lot of ways for the Casey Middlestat Olfson group. You got to give them credit. Since Jotes has been on their line, they've been playing a lot better. I think Olfson scored in like four, five games straight now. Um, you just got to give them credit and, and tip of the cap because the thing is with Olfson too, where I think a lot of people. You know, they would rather Asplund playing over him. I think a lot of those, like, analytical people would rather Asplund. The thing is with Olsen is, yeah, maybe he makes mistakes on the defensive side sometimes. He's probably one of the best, like, pure finishers on the Sabres. Maybe not, you know, goal scorer. It's a different... Yeah, he might get 30 this year. Yeah, he might get 30 and for playing on third line. Like, there's a difference in hockey between just, like, being a, a goal scorer and just someone who can, like, like finish very well. And he can he can do that. When he has his chance, like, he usually buries the puck, which is very, very valuable. Um yeah, and then I mean, you you call it out, but UPL is starting to find his groove. Uh, you know, the defense still obviously gives up a lot of chances, but I think that just comes with being a young, high flying, high scoring team. Like that's just the style of hockey that we play. Uh, and, and you know, hopefully we can get some guys down the line next few seasons that lock up the defensive side a little bit better. But I don't mind the way that we're playing the high flying energy. We're winning games five, four, four, three. Like that's okay with me. That's just the style of game that we have right now. So it's just very exciting to watch. Um, Again, that game on Saturday, the way that everybody was clicking so well and 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 Donnie not afraid to mix up the lines even when they are still dominating the game, like really picking out Tage Thompson as obviously your best player this year so far and, and, and demoting him all the way down. Like he'll be fine. Like he'll be back on the first line tonight, I'm I'm assuming. Like I didn't even see a lineup yet tonight, but I'm assuming Donnie's like, all right, sent a message a little bit. We'll get him back on the first line. Um but yeah, it's it's very exciting to be a Sabres fan, and and I honestly can't wait for the future. I think they're going to be very very good for for some years to come here. So, yeah, um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, a little West Coast trip, I think, coming out this uh, this week away from home. See uh, if the if the boys can string some wins together and, and stay hot. But um, I think that kind of rounds out this episode. Unless you have any final words, go Sabres! Yeah, go Sabres! Um, thank you guys for everyone who's listening around throughout Bill's season. Appreciate it. Hopefully we'll be back next year. You know, the podcast lives on one before I die is still alive, I guess, because we obviously <laughs> did not <laughs> finish the job this uh, Super Bowl season, but go Bills, go Sabres. As always, that's episode 164 of one before I die. Thank you guys for listening in and we'll see you next week.